So tonight, I'm going to be talking about a prophetic prayer, but I call this prayer made alive because that's what prophetic prayer is. There's enough dead prayer going on around there. You know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. We're just throwing Hail Marys, hoping God's going to do something, right? There's a whole lot more going on in the spirit realm that we need to be aware of. Let's start, and I'm, I'm going to teach tonight. Look at start. I always say that in a preaching, but let me just, I'm going to try to keep my teaching hat on. <laughs> Matthew chapter 26, verse 40. They'll put it on the screens for you. It says this. Then when he came to the disciples, speaking to Jesus, and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. I mean, that ought to be somehow, if you got your, you know, if you have a Bible or whatever, if you got an iPad, underline that, highlight that something. Watch, let me just say it again. Could you not watch one hour? He said, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So the key for being delivered on temptation is to watch, be made alert, and to pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many have been saved at least six months? Let me see your hands. How many knows that verse is true? The spirit is always willing. That fast, right? The spirit wants to do what's right, and then them cookies look so good. Praise God. You know how you look at nobody brought cookies into work ever before until you started the fast. Amen. And all them extra Christmas cookies ended up in your office. So got to be careful and keep on going. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's continue. Verse, uh, verse 4 says this. Let me read this and we'll break it down. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, Paul writes, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. And there's men have wisdom. But your faith should not be in that wisdom because it's shaky ground. Okay? Um, it, says, it says the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. And again, I want to emphasize, there is wisdom in this world. But it's a worldly wisdom that is futile. It only goes so far. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. And I say this, if it's hidden, it can be found. I'll show that in just a moment. But most of the time, it's hidden from our view. We don't understand. Um, God has ordained for the ages to come for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. God has always had a plan for you, for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So I hasn't seen Ear hasn't heard, hasn't entered into the heart of man, but God reveals them to us through his spirit. The wisdom of man can only go so far, but God reveals by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of, of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, come on, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which th that have been freely given to us 
by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why are we fasting? Why? Because the next part of that verse, for they are foolishness to him. So when we try to connect with God and we try to do it and we try to let's say this, we try to receive the spiritual things of God and not connect to God, it becomes foolishness to us. We don't have understanding. For we that's why we fast and pray. So we can break that which has been hidden, that which has been unlocked, and we can receive from God. Uh, it says, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Can't get through anything in this life without having some spiritual discernment of what God's trying to reveal to us. God is always revealing something about himself to those who desire to know him. It's never ending. My belief is forever and ever and ever and ever when we're with him forever, we're always going to find out something new and special about God. Let me make this statement. We need information in prayer Otherwise, it's ineffective. When we pray, we need to receive God's information to us. When I pray and have been praying for many years, of course, we're amped it up during this season. I'm praying that my whole desire is that God would unlock some hidden wisdom to me that I don't currently have. So my whole point is when I walk away, I want to be wiser than I was when I first went into prayer that day. Okay? That should be all of our desires, and if we don't pray that way with a desire to receive spiritual information from God, then our life with God will become ineffective. And I, I could preach all day on that, but just to say we get real religious with our prayer time otherwise, okay? Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, um, speaking of their unity. So Jesus said, the first thing you do after I ascend to be with the Father, get into a place of prayer. And in a place of prayer, get into a place of unity. Sometimes you walk in some churches, and it's the most disunified atmosphere you'll ever be in. Now, reasons for that are many, but one of the reasons is because we have an adversary that works against us. So he's always trying to pit us with or against somebody else. Let's not get caught up, especially in 2020, let's not get caught up in that Let's forgive, let's release, let's let go, let's recognize that we all don't have to agree on everything, but we still are God's children, and we're going to work together in unity, that. Verse 2 says this, it says, And suddenly, after they were in unity, there came a sound, everybody say a sound, from where? Heaven. A sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Nobody escaped the sound. Nobody escaped the rushing mighty wind of the Spirit of God. What happened when they came into unity in prayer? What happened? We're going to come into unity in prayer as well this, these next two weeks uh, as well. What's happening? Heaven will begin to open. So heaven opened. The Spirit of God came like a rushing mighty wind, the Bible says, and there was a sound that came with them. Genesis 28, 12 says, uh, this is speaking of Jacob. I'm going to tie these things together. Then Jacob dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached the heavens. And there, the angels of God were ascending and descending, much activity going from heaven to earth, earth to heaven. And he couldn't see it before, but his eyes were now open in a dream. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. 
the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants for your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to the north and to the south. And then in you and in your seed, all the, the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I'm with you. And I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Jacob's running for his life. Jacob is, in fact, in disunity, disruption between him and his family members, in particular Esau, his brother, who he tricked out of the birthright and got the blessing of the father, tricked the father, got the blessing. Now then, Esau's seeking to take his life, and he runs to his uncle Laban's house, and he's somewhere in between. Some of you are in between. You're not where you used to be. You're not quite where you need to be. Come on, somebody. So you're in this place of flux, and, and so in that place of flux, that's the place where we need to be encouraged with the word of God. We need an open heaven over our lives to hear God speak to us. And so Jacob had, had needs. He had a need and felt like his life was over. But notice that God doesn't deal with his need. He deals with his future. God's not dealing with the circumstance. Many times we want God to deal with our circumstance, but instead God deals with our future. He's saying, this is who you are. I know you're running right now. I know you're tired. I know you're hungry. I know you'd like to go back home, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. This is who you are. The seed of your seed is going to bless all the other seed in the earth. And wherever you go, you're going to multiply. He talks to his future. He gives Jacob the big picture. And I can tell you stories in my own life. You could tell me stories probably in your life. I received a word one time from Kim Clement before he passed away. And it was for me, but it was also for our entire church. And we had sowed a seed. And, and he had prophesied. And I thought he would prophesy about the circumstance that we were in. About the, the situation that we were in. But he didn't talk about that at all. What did he talk about? He prophesied about our future. Everybody say, I need my future. See, if you don't know your future, you don't have hope. If you don't have hope, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If the heart's sick, your life is going to have meaningless, and you'll have hopelessness, and you won't even know what to do next. God wants you to know the next step, but he also wants to know what is your destination. Where are you going? God is constantly talking about your future. Are you listening? He's constantly talking about your destiny. Are you listening? During the fast and prayer, we need to be listening. What is God saying? What is he instructing? What kind of information is he trying to give me while I'm praying? God always wants to give me information about my future. Amen. Why? Because that's who you are. What you're going through right now is not necessarily who you are. He talks to you this way because that's who you are, and you need to pray from that position. <laughs> this is a revelation, y'all. See, we, that's the problem with many of us, and i got to remind myself about it too. Don't spend time praying about the situation you're in because what's happening is this. You say it, and you move on. The reason why I say this because now you begin to identify with your problem and take it on as if that's who you are and that's all you're ever going to be. So you don't pray. Oh, y'all, this is good. 
I will say it this way. You learn to pray from that position to where God is calling you to. Amen. That's why he said to Abram, he said, you are Abraham. I know that's who you, everybody calls you is Abram, but that's not what I'm going to talk to. I'm not trying to stir up Abram. I'm trying to stir up the man that's inside Abraham. And that man is Abraham, which means a father of a multitude. What's he doing? He's saying, by me renaming you, I'm reclaiming you. Come on, somebody. I just said something right there. I just said something right there. By me renaming you, I'm now reclaiming you, and I'm calling you into your destiny. So from now on, from here on out, your name is Abraham. This is who you are. This is your identity, because that's where you're going. Your name will not be Simon anymore, but your name shall be called Peter, which is Petra, which means a rock. Simon means a reed, which can be easily broken by the wind, but you can't break a rock by the wind. Let it rock. Let it roll. Let the, let the wind begin to blow, but the rock is going to stand firm. Come on, somebody. This is who you are. You are Petra. He walked by a pea patch one day. Didn't call the person that was the most, uh, the most uh, qualified. But he looked at a man named Gideon. And Gideon said, I'm the least in my father's house. But the angel said, and that's not who you are. You are a mighty man of valor. Angel doesn't deal with his pea patch. He wanted a word about his pea patch. He said, that, forget about the pea patch. I'm going to give you thousands of fields. Jacob, in that moment, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. By receiving his destiny, his name changed. Now he's able to speak from the position of a Jacob, but as an Israel. That's called prophetic prayer. See, that's praying prophetically. It's praying living in another world. Another reality. Remember I told you on Sunday that that's what faith is? It's a conviction of another reality, a new reality. Look at verse 3 and 4 of Acts chapter 2. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, going back down to our story, divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them Utterance. So these divided tongues came to them. They must have been visible. But the word divided means diversity. And meaning this, that each had their own tongue. They weren't just karomasat and everybody repeating the same thing. Each of them had their own diverse expression and their own diverse tongue. Okay? Which made them what? Unique. That's why you, won't, you don't have to try, try to follow somebody else in the sense of trying to do what they do and, and say how they say it and, and, you know, talk it like they talk it. No, no. God uniquely called you. Boy, if one revelation you could ever get is you are unique. Just tap your neighbor and say he's talking about you too. You are. Just say you're unique. You're unique. Praise God. Verse 5 says this. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And that's, that's down the street. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So now then, their divided tongues is making sense to those that were in the street. 
Lord, that's, that was a good one. Am I okay? If I stand right here, am I all right? Praise God. All right. So my point is, is that, is that we don't know. Were they speaking Italian or were they speaking in tongues and the Italians just understood in their own tongue? We're not sure. We don't know if it's inter- But we do know that they spoke and the men that were in the streets, devout Jews, they understood in their, in their language. What was it that drew these people to those that were in the upper room? The Bible says there was a sound that came from heaven. And when the sound came, it didn't just come to those that were in the upper room. The sound came to that total vicinity. Everybody in the street heard the same sound that was in the upper room due to those that were praying in unity together. There is a certain sound. Not the tongues that they spoke, but an actual sound. There is a spiritual sound that comes from those who are filled with the Spirit. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how, it's, when I say sound, uh, you know, then it was a sound. I think today, what I mean is, it's a certain expression, a sound, something that's attractive, that draws people in, that can't be explained. It's supernatural. I've heard people talk, and then I've heard people talk. And what I mean by that is some person can say the same thing as the other, but this one I pay more attention to. And usually you're going to find out, and I tell you, I don't know how yours is. My, my believer uh, uh, you know, uh, radar is pretty strong. When I'm around the believer, I just know it's like, can I ask you a question? Are you a Christian? Well, yes, I am. Praise the Lord. So am I. Well, praise God. And you, begin, you can just see it. You can also hear it coming out of their mouth. There's something unique in your sound when the Spirit of God is using you. And, 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 and church, a lot of churches have lost that sound. How? I believe it's because of religion. And religion has a lot to do with the spirit of repetition. Doing the same thing over like rote. Doing it over and over and over again. But there's no power or God in it. And the Bible says we're to beware of that because it says that you have to beware in the last day because they'll have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. So you can, you can literally be going to a church, hear the message of God, and there be no power at all in the pulpit. No power at all in the praise and the worship. It's like going through the motions, and then all of a sudden, and I'm not saying we're better than one of church. That's, I'm not talking about better this or that. I'm talking about a people that are willing to seek God will always have a peculiar sound that will draw people to them, and the Spirit of God will be prevalent where the power of God can manifest itself there. Because what we know about when they begin to preach, stand up and preach, the power of God was on Peter, and 3,000 souls were added to the church in one sermon. No building. Amen. I'm trying to say that a lot of churches have lost their power because they decided to go in the area of repetition rather than relationship, and religion was the result of it. And religion is a thief of power. I thought, you, I thought we were involved in religion. No, no, get, change your terminology. No, we're involved in relationship, not religion. Amen. Verse 7 says this, Then they were all amazed and marveled, talking about the men that were in the street, saying to one another, Look, are, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? 
So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men, and he begins to preach to them. And then at the very end, he says this. He says, um, he said that in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on your men servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Everybody say, they shall prophesy. Who's they? The church. So say this, I shall prophesy. That's a guarantee. That's a part of the mission God's given you. Now, that prophecy was given 2,000 years ago by Peter, who 1,000 years before was given by Isaiah. So I believe that that thing's coming to pass. So how much more do we need to believe and trust that today? So we're called to prophesy. We are called to work in the gifts of spirit. So number one, what does prayer do? It releases a sound, a particular sound that draws other people in, even the world. Number two, Praying brings relevancy to your communication. In other words, through prayer, God will, will actually change the way you communicate to be relevant to this generation by giving you insight. Information and insight you did not have. Okay, You become relevant when you pray. Number three, praying the word, praying the word invites the Holy Spirit to fill you. You need to use the Bible for sure. But do not forget, you've also been given a prophetic word that you can war with. Every prophetic word needs to be subject to the written word. Okay, let me just say, share something with you real quick. I wasn't going to go here tonight, but let me say it. So you have the written word and the prophetic word or the word made alive. So the written word is the Greek means, is in the Greek it means this, logos or logos. It's where we get our word logo. So we at church has a logo. Businesses have logos. Speed Queen has a logo. Uh, business, you see logos, right? It's a written word, right? But the, um, the word made alive in the Greek is the word rhema. And it means that you give life to the word. So in other words, what good is a logo of a business if the business doesn't exist? You missed it. What good is a God written down on pages if he doesn't exist? What good is a God written on pages and logos has his logo but doesn't perform as God in the earth? So we don't just want to have logos word that's important because it identifies who God is. But the rhema word makes the word alive to me. Now the word of God has staying power. Now the word of God inside of me, it goes, it drops about what, 18 inches, whatever it is, 16 inches from your head to your heart. So it goes logos to rhema. When it becomes rhema, it becomes alive inside of me. And now then the word of God becomes quick or sharp and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the divided asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and becomes a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It comes alive. It's alive. Come on, someone say amen. Now, most people pray frantically. I'm preaching real good now. 
is last second prayer of a big old problem you got. And I mean, tears are squirting and I'm snots flying. Oh, God, I need a miracle. Right? It's trying your best to get God's attention to do something. You mean it with all your heart, no doubt about it. But it's like you ain't prayed in six months. Except for Lord bless us with my body in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? But now then you got a problem. And so you're frantic and you're emotional about it. And you are, watch this. Now please don't misunderstand. I want, I want to bring balance to this. But let me just say this. That prayer then becomes a lot of being fear-based rather than faith-based. You're not in a place where you actually know that God will do what he said for you. You're in a place of begging God to do something you hope he's going to do for you. That's pretty good preaching. When you get in that place, and many of us get in that place from time to time, maybe more than others, some other than others, let me just say what you do. It's not a good time to start with something in here because you're so messed up emotionally. Get to the Bible. Get back to the word of God and say, God, I'm a wreck, but here's what your word says, by your stripes. God, here's what your word says, I will bless those who bless me. Start going down what the Bible has to say. I don't know what those scriptures are. That's your problem. What's the use of a gun when the burglar comes if you don't know where you put it? Don't wait for something bad to happen. Amen. Get some word in you and get some word prepared. Y'all, tonight, if you've got some guts, go to something that's an incredible thing. That's, it's, it's, it's something that's a, that, that, that most people don't, probably don't use enough of, or when they use it, they use it in a bad way. It's crazy. It's called Google. You ever heard of it? Google. Go and Google all the confession scriptures on healing, all the confession scriptures on prosperity, all the confession scriptures on fear or anxiety or worry. You lazy Christian, you. What is your problem? You got all the wealth of information you're supposed to, and you don't use it. But you want to know the next stats. You can look up, buddy, you can look up an actor that quick. Come on, somebody. And know what they're doing. But now when it comes to the Bible, you got to be prepared. Get your scriptures ready. And go, okay, Lord, this is what you say. Forget what I got to say. This is what you got to say. And now the word of God is turning into homologio. Logo, logio is where we get that word logos, logo, logio. Homo meaning one, right? So in other words... Or, or the same as. So I'm speaking as God has said. That's what that word confession means, to speak what God has said. Learn again to pray from your destiny, not from fear-based emotional stuff that's turmoil in your heart, and we all get there, but learn to preach, or rather learn to prophesy and pray from the place of the promise, not your present need. All right, uh, what time is it here? 7.57. All right, uh, I'm not going to read 1 Corinthians 12 for sake of time. It lists out the, the, um, the gifts of the Spirit. I gave them to you on Sunday. Uh, go to our, uh, our podcast. You can uh, listen to it from Sunday's message. But let me just break it down real quick. Uh, I put it in simple form tonight. 
The word of wisdom, which we need these, this is prophetic praying, simply means this. Word of wisdom simply means foresight. You're able to see some of the future, okay? The word of knowledge means present understanding. Present understanding. Something you can see that isn't obvious to others with regular sight that's currently going on. Um, you're, getting that, you're getting that impulse uh, by the Spirit more than you think you are. You just don't know for sure if that's God or not. Learn to act in faith on those things. If it doesn't turn out to be so, admit your error and move on to the next one. Okay? No harm in trying, folks. It has to be perfect. That's not the scripture. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what that means. That what, what it's saying to, by the way, is say, well, a false prophet is a prophet who speaks a wrong prophecy. Or he's a false prophet. Absolutely couldn't be more wrong than that. A, a prophet who speaks a wrong prophecy is a wrong prophet. Not a false prophet. A false prophet is somebody who uses the word of the Lord to draw God's people for their own gain or away from God. That's a false prophet. A wrong prophet is somebody needs to mature, somebody needs to grow. You cut them a break or you don't follow them anymore. It's up to you. But that doesn't mean you tag them as a false prophet. Okay? Um, and just remember, you've been wrong too. All of us have been. The gift of faith is a special endowment of faith for that moment right then and there. Okay, I got to be honest, there's something on me right now, there's a gift of faith on me, something I'm believing God for, and I just know that I know it's going to happen. I know it. Uh, that's how you know it's a gift. It's not something you earned, it's just, it's, here you go, and I just believe it. The gift of miracles is when no medicine can cure, but God heals on the spot. The gift of prophecy means to speak a course, uh, a course changing word, to speak a course changing word. You know what I mean by course, like a a path, right? You're, you're charting a course, all right? The gift of discerning the spirits is not, I said this before, it is not called the gift of discernment because there's no such thing as the gift of discernment. We get that wrong. You can call it that, but what you're really saying is the gift of intuition because I do believe people have a gift of intuition. That's not what that means here, though. It's not one of the gifts. Um, this gift is to know what you are dealing with in the spirit dimension, whether it be angelic or demonic, uh, whether it be of God or of the enemy of Satan, okay? You're just, you can discern it. You say, that sounds like God, but it don't smell like God. Something's wrong. Something's wrong here. All right, the gift of diversity of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Remember, these gifts are to benefit others so that this is not talking about regular tongues. It's something different. And then, um, uh, and then I, I wrote down another verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can look that up for yourself. Talks about all the different types of um, uh, gifts that show up. Uh, but verse 14 of 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Did you ever see that before? God wants you to desire to prophesy. So, okay, if that's the case, and he wants to do this, then we need to be responsible with that gift, right? So I teach people, when I teach this, I teach and say, when you feel you have a word from God, be very careful that you know it's the Lord. If you feel very strong that it is the Lord, then you must discern, okay? You must discern, is it something I'm to share with the person or is it something I'm supposed to take to God in prayer about? We don't know. You'd have to ask the Lord about that, okay? If he said, if he... 
says to you or you believe with all your heart, you're to give it to that person. Be very careful how you give the word. Don't go with a direction. Go to give the word. Don't try to, uh, I think I know what this means, so I'm going to try to push them. That's called manipulation and control. Just give the word, okay? And then, then when you give the word, be very careful that you don't say, thus says the Lord. The only time you say, thus says the Lord, you put that stamp of authority on it, is when you absolutely, beyond a shadow of a you know it, you got every deduction in a row, and you are confident it is God, and then you'll step out in faith and do that. But most of the time, this is how I would say it. You know, I, I was praying, and you came up in my spirit, and I had this little thing for you. Can I share this with you? Boy, they begin to tear up and go, that's right on the money. Can we pray? Yes. That's all you need to do. And then you'll grow, and you'll become more confident in that gift. But you don't add to the word. That's the danger. I was praying for um, everybody here on Monday night, and I prayed for Amos. And um, the reason why it stands out is because I was praying for him, and as I prayed for him, I felt a shift was going to happen on his job. Well, when I felt the shift, I, I felt that, that sense of God saying a shift was about to happen in his job. My next thought was he's going to uh, be going to somewhere else to work. He's going somewhere else. And I came that close to saying it. Now, I'm telling on myself so you know it's not a perfect science. It's being sensitive to God. And, but I didn't feel that was, that wasn't, that didn't, no, I'm not sure about that. So I began to say, there's a shift that's going to happen in your job. And I began to say some other things. You would know better than me. And I said these things to you. And then I said that uh, the Spirit of God is saying that um, there's eyes about to be on you. You're being watched and looked at and promotions about to come your way. They're going to be able to see it. They're going to see you and know. So he oh, wow, praise God. Afterwards, they come to me. Uh, Diana goes, you got to see this. And she's got her phone out. Am I telling the truth? You got your phone. If I, correct me if I'm wrong with the story. And you show me, look right here, Pastor. My husband was, tell me what he's mean. What do you, Amos, what are they going to do? It's this thing called Feature Friday where the city of Milwaukee selects a, an employee to feature on their website for diversity. So they picked me to be one of the features. Thank you. So they're going to take a picture of him. It's either going to a magazine or something. What is it going to be on? on it's going to be on the website. Okay. So uh, all eyes are about to be on you. I came that close from going into another direction. And you know how you know you're in another direction? You start to stumble. You, yeah, it's not working. This isn't. And then you go, you start to slow down a little bit and start backpedaling because I'd rather, I would rather see you do that than keep going as if this is what God is saying. You're going to another job. They're about to transfer you. Get ready. You know, you're going to another city. I mean, you better know that that's the Lord, right? So I'm so grateful to God. So my point to you is this, is that the sensitivity is what we're looking at. Not looking really slick and like you know what you're talking about. Because half the time you don't know what you're even saying. The things that have blessed people the most that I've ever prophesied to people are things that I looked at and go, man, I barely even, I mean, I wish I could have got a little something deeper for him. I mean, that's all, I, I, God's going to help you and he's going to do that. But the thing is I didn't know was, and Aldea was, she was in, she should tell you, it was a simple little word, 
But I thought, well, praise God. It was, it was a word, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't deep. And I went on. She told me afterwards, she goes, she was crying. She says, Pastor, it was such a great word. I said, oh, I'm so glad you, you got it. And she said, you don't understand. You said the exact words that I was saying to God, the exact phrase and sentence. To me, it was little. To her, it was everything. That's called being sensitive to the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right, where are we at now? 8.06. Okay, let me just say this. Let's learn to prophesy and not terrify. Amen. I'll leave that right there. Praise God. But we can all prophesy. And I'm suggesting that you do it first in your prayer life. That's why I'm calling this prophetic prayer. Because if you learn to prophesy in prayer, then publicly you're going to get more and more confident to step out in faith to do it that way. What I mean by prophesying prayer, make bold prophetic declarations while you're praying. Don't say, Lord, I pray you bless me today in Jesus' name. Get bold about it and say, Lord, I thank you that doors of opportunity are opening. I, I know your blessings on me, but doors of opportunity are opening for me today. I thank you, Lord God, that promotion is coming and not many days from now. I thank you that my children are serving you. Father, they're going to be in the front row at the altar giving you praise and worship. You are calling those things that be not as though they were. That's prophecy. It's speaking something that doesn't currently exist. Did y'all get something tonight?